From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate in your cabin in the woods. Ali Siadatan is here for the full two hours. He's connecting the gods of the ancient world to the modern-day UFO phenomenon. Ali is the founder of Think Again Productions in Canada, a multimedia teaching ministry, shedding light on mysteries and treasures of scriptural knowledge, which is making the Bible more real than ever. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about how, as the world became uh, more Christianized, these... um, the influence of the fallen angel, uh, of the fallen angels kind of um, morphed and maybe even metastasized as it went underground and took on other, uh, other manifestations and so forth, but obviously still there. So, but, but now I want to, I want to connect that to, uh, well, the, the, the documentary that, that came out in 2006, UFOs, Angels and Gods, it's also called Rekeb. Malachim and Elohim. Rekeb is what the Hebrew word for chariots. Is that what that means? So it is chariots. It literally means vehicle. It's just that there was no other vehicle than a chariot. So until recently, it was like, well, just translate it as chariots. But it does mean something that carries. The root word is to carry. It's something that carries. And actually, in some passages, by extension, it means cavalry. Cavalry, because when the army of heaven comes, it comes in these chariots. And Isaiah in chapter 66 talks about this that God will come in his chariots. And Elijah is taken up in such a chariot. And both Elijah and Elisha see these, um, as well as um, Mount Sinai in, in Psalm 68, verse 17. It says that when God was in Sinai, he was among his chariots. And of course, you have to understand something. I think we really have to make a point to that God is far beyond any of these beings that we're talking about. He's, he's like infinity unfathomable compared to the dust of the sand. These beings are really nothing compared to God. And, of course, God needs no chariot of any kind, but he may choose to be among his angels who like us, are limited beings, and they need it. And he may be even among us, he may eat some fish, walk on the shores of Galilee, uh, be at the end of Roman whips. I know it sounds very strange, but it's a tale of love, apparently, uh, written in blood. And so this is what he's saying, I love you. He's, he doesn't need to be at the end of Roman whips. And so this whole idea is God is by choice, the angels are by design. They don't have a choice like we do. They, are, they have limitations, they function within God's creation. But God right. himself is sovereign and above all of these things. But yes, there are these chariots mentioned in the Bible, and when you look into the story of these beings, they too have chariots that fly. In Hindu, uh, Sanskrit, the word for the chariots of the gods was Vimana, and Vimana is the modern-day word for aeroplane in Hindi. It has survived in a way the concept through language has survived. The chariots of the gods of India is the word used for aeroplane in modern-day Hindi. You can see how, through the line of ancestors, the ideas carry through. And these beings, whether from all of the world, these polytheistic guys, they flew. And, you know, Satan is called the prince of the power of the air, you know, and and the Lord of those who fly, or actually it's flit. And two things flit, dragon, um, uh, hummingbirds, um, and the dragonflies. And what is flitting? Flitting is having control, perfect mastery of the air. You can be here in front of me, and then you can be to my left, to my right. You can move. Well, that certainly describes the modern-day UFO phenomena, doesn't, doesn't it? I mean, people describe them seemingly flitting... There's that word flit, flitting in and out of our reality or our dimension. And that's it. And when you look at the writings of Josephus and the conquest of Jerusalem, these orbs of light are, are there. They, they are recorded by all of these nations in association with these heavenly beings. 
And so they continue to be here. They have, they have, I had a sighting in Iran, in the desert, and the one I had, it went into the ground. It was very close up. It went into the ground. It wasn't coming out of the ground. You look at the writings of Jacques Vallée concerning the Amazon forest, where he goes deep into the Amazon to talk to these tribes that say that at the, where these three rivers meet, these things come out of the water. They come from out of the ground. And so these guys have been here for a long time. They have given us, you know, uh, laws. They have given us uh, children. They have chosen kings. They have ruled. God himself has visited the earth, has unleashed his spirit that has changed reality 2,000 years ago. And today, these beings, as they continue to, to exist, it seems that they come up with a plan which culminates in the second coming, and it's centuries in the making. Let me open up for you. The well, just before we get heaven. to that, yeah. uh, I, before we get to that, Ali, I just want to circle back on something. Yes. So the idea is, you know, as you say, they're coming out of the water, and there have been, you know, volumes written about about this. Um, yes. Preston Dennett has, has has talked about this on my program. Yes. Uh, we talk, we we hear about them coming out of the the North and South Pole. Right. So the idea is, rather than the idea of UFOs, they're not visiting our world. No. They're not visiting us. They, they're, we are living in a world that they created. Exactly, because this is the angels of God, good and evil. And that's what we said in the opening lines of our documentary, is the UFO evidence, is the, the UFO phenomenon is the evidence of the angelic reality, both good and evil. God and his angels have entered the cosmos, have entered time and space, and they have created us, and they have given us, they have seeded the earth with life and the life with knowledge. And the knowledge that we have received from God through his angels and the knowledge we have received from the fallen angels has formed history and civilization itself. That's why we, you know, we made the statement that all the civilizations attributed their genesis to the gods, to the knowledge handed down. In fact, I would say that there are only four categories of knowledge in all of the earth. One, the knowledge that has come from God himself. Two, the knowledge that has come from these beings, starting with the days before the flood, the knowledge given to the pre-Diluvian world recorded by Enoch in the book of Enoch, the seven angels that do that. That is the beginnings of it. Even, Adam, even Satan gives a commandment to, Adam, to Eve and says, what did God say? Oh, no, he, he reverses the commandment of God and issues his own commandment, which is, I guess, the most ancient incident of this idea that knowledge was going to come from two sides. So that's the second form of knowledge. The third form of knowledge is man's own reason. Man is a thinking being and comes up with his own thoughts. And that's the third form of knowledge. And the fourth type of knowledge, the one that is most common in metropolitan centers like Toronto, is one in which the first three braid together to form a mismatch that is the fourth type of knowledge that I would say most of us traffic in. And that's why it's important to renew our minds with the knowledge of Scripture and remove these other, so to know exactly our left hand from our right hand, what God exactly has said. And that's important, because there has been knowledge of different types spoken into the human world. And so these beings have been creating all kinds of paradigms, like we talked about secularism, and then they start to create the idea that we're not in the heavens. We're not in the heavens. This is not the heavens and the earth, like the Bible says. This is not the host of the heavens and the host of the earth, like the Bible says, we're in the universe. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you're in the universe. There's a lot of pebbles, and it just came out of chance. Yeah, you guys are, are beings here, you evolved here, you appeared here, who knows? You're just humans. We're disconnected suddenly from the cosmic tale in this paradigm. And then we have the fear of evolution, we have the possibility of whether God is real or not, who really knows, atheism. And these ideas that are championed through this rise of this movement that comes out of Europe in the Age of Enlightenment and covers the Western world, which is seemingly the most powerful part of the world, starts to reinvent reality for us. Oh, here's a telescope. Look at this universe. Oh, yes, you guys evolved here and beings evolved elsewhere by extension, by logic. You think along those lines. The idea is... Well, the, the, the ancient alien theory... Actually, well, there, yeah. there's there's a kernel of truth there, except that they've basically misidentified the the ancients. They're not aliens; they're the fallen angels. But everything else that comes out of that theory, there's a great deal of truth to it, well, right? Yes, and the reason they see it that way is because 
the fallen angels take centuries to indoctrinate us in the concept of the universe. A lot of these guys, Newton, Galileo, I mean, they have Masonic connections. And moving forward into the 20th century, we are now fully live in a world where we have this concept of, the, of we're in the universe, and then the spiritual realm is something completely, you know, non-physical and ghostly and magical. That's how we tend to start to see it. You know, Christians, you know, fight back and they say, no, we believe in something more than just the physical, and that becomes their kind of secret realm that they know about through the spirit they receive, okay, while the so universe is where everybody else is living in. So these beings can now reinvent themselves in this paradigm as right. aliens. But when we talk about spiritual warfare, and it is not it is not against you know flesh and bone that we battle. It is you know we're talking about spiritual warfare. But when you're describing the fallen angels flitting around in these chariots, yeah. um, um, rakeb or UFOs in the modern day vernacular, yeah. that doesn't sound like spiritual. These are mechanical. This is this is these are pieces of technology. We don't exactly know how they operate. We, we, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. We can't say it's like, you know, uh, Enterprise uh, and Ch- Captain Kirk. But it is something that has substance, uh, that's for sure. And it does operate within the laws of God's creation, which is not a simple thing. It's a complicated thing. And if beings can manipulate the laws of the creation to the point where they can do stuff like that and come and go, they're very advanced beings. It's, it's the, you know, there's nothing, nothing wrong with, with that kind of a knowledge. Uh, the idea that the world of angels is a world of magic and a ghostly place is, is something that comes from Greek tradition. Um, it's kind of an idea that enters the church. You know, the Greek philosophers, they already started to reject these gods. You know, they seemed so petty. Obviously, they knew innately that God was much greater than, than the Hercules and these beings. They, they seemed so, so petty. How could this be anything spiritual? They started to say that God sees all and, and, and thinks all over. He's, he hears all over. He's very different than these guys. And so they saw God as something that didn't have a body or a face. And this idea, I think, made it into the early church. But the Hebrew tradition of the Bible presented God and angels in a completely different way than this Greek thinking that very much spiritualized everything to an nth degree. It talked about something that was occurring in time and space and process and sequence, but it said if you guys can, you know, break the atom and you can edit DNA and you can travel into the heavens with your rockets because you are the children of God and because this is what angels do, this is what the children of, of, of God do, these are very advanced pieces of knowledge, and God is, you know, working in these realms as well as in realms that we cannot fathom. So we don't know what is the makeup of these things, but I just want to say that a tree is, to me, a technology. It pr- produces air for me. A, um, a body is a technology. It carries my spirit and soul around. A mule that the Lord rode on when he came to the earth it was a form of technology. You put him on the back of a mule, he's okay. You put him at the end of Roman whips and on the ships of fishermen, he's okay. But you put him in the midst of his chariots in the heavens, and with his angels, suddenly you've diminished him. That doesn't make sense to me, right? God is bigger than our minds can fathom. To right. say that here's a box that's big enough that is good for him is still a small box. We can Fair enough. So God as he's presented himself to us, and he's presented himself to us as this being that has walked among us, and his angels okay, so are f- here as well. So fallen angels, they had these vehicles. Did God's angels have them? And are there accounts in the Bible of this celestial war involving these crafts between the good angels and the fallen angels? I think that the story um, of Daniel chapter 10 points to this idea of a war the angel from heaven is held back by these human by these principalities that are behind the nations. Their forces must have been compar- comparable for for him to be held back to the point where he has to call up for backup for Michael to come. God and two angels have a, share a meal with Abraham. It doesn't say they just took that form that these angels took physical form just for that event. It doesn't say that. You know, they might have always had a physical form, and they had a meal with Abraham, God, and these two angels. Um, the story of the Exodus is very much a follow the, the, the leader story. The story of the Magi is very much 
of following, you know, stars don't just disappear and appear and then stand still on a place, uh, but these bright lights in the sky could, that are angels could do that. And, and so the Elijah's story of the chariot uh, is, is one. The, there's the story of Ezekiel, and these chariots, these, they're called Rekev, they're also called Merkebah, and it's, it is instructed through Moses that they should be engrafted, engraved on the mercy seat. On the mercy seat itself, the Merkabah, these vehicles, are to be engraved. So we don't really know exactly their inter-realm vehicles. They carry us between the realms, including to where God's throne room is. We don't know how they operate, but they definitely have substance. And these beings, they're very, very advanced, and that's why they know more about God's creation than we do. And then there is the spirits, and that is a different thing. The evil spirits, that is its own thing. They're not physical, and they're a different category. They're called demons, they're called devils, and they go back to the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, uh, according to the Book of Enoch. But the fallen angels themselves are presented as physical beings, and so is God, and so is man, and, and there is a realm beyond this realm, but this realm itself is not to be neglected. There's much of the story of creation and of God is happening right here, right now, and it involves these beings. And it says that we can entertain angels unawares, and we should be hospitable, that they are walking among us, that the angels of God are walking among us. I suspect that even these chariots, some of them would have been taking over the world or carrying out all kinds of plans if God's angels were not here, holding things back and holding things down until the time where God may signal that, you know, stand okay, down. Uh, and and the Spirit of God is here, too, carried, poured into the nation. So these guys are on the retreat. There is no doubt about that. But they are okay, reinventing so mentioned- themselves as aliens, like you're saying, and they're kind of saying, look, those sh- chariots we had, let's call them UFOs. The chariot is so, so you know, fifteenth uh, century. Wait a minute! You said they reinvented themselves as aliens. So, when when people bringing the UFO phenomenon from the ancient world up into the modern day, right? And when people have encounters, yes, uh, and they describe greys, or they and they describe the Nordics, or they describe the reptilian reptilians, or the insectoid type, praying mantis type, all these different supposed races of extraterrestrials right are you saying that this is another thought veil by the fallen angels that they have created this whole alien narrative and they are taking on the the image of these various races of of ets yes they exactly and they are trying to uh, prepare us for we our conjecture was that they're trying to prepare us for a great reversal at the end of this age. If it's true that God's angels use these chariots as well, and it says in Isaiah 66, verse 15, that God will return with his chariots. It says that God will return with his chariots. So if God is going to return with his chariots and with his angels and him, then it's easy for these guys to say, look, this is just an alien invasion, because it says in the Bible that the nations will go to war against God, and you think that's insane. Why would anyone do that? I mean, the whole Valley of Armageddon, there's many prophecies that indicate that in the Old and New Testament. That's going to happen. And you think, well, that's crazy, that's nuts, unless the nations have been deceived and have had their perception altered. They don't see this as heaven's armies coming to the earth. They see it more as a race of evil aliens. And these guys are here, and I suspect as we go forward in the story, they're going to give us technology, they're going to help us with environmental issues, because they keep saying that, and they're going to maybe make some signs and wonders, or lying wonders, for the world leader. They're preparing, I think, to enthrone as their representative, and that's why he's called the seed of the serpent. But but there's also, uh, I would assume, interactions with God's angels aboard these craft. Is that not a possibility? Absolutely. It says that we must test the spirits that come to us if we have to ask them, do you believe that Jesus is the sovereign Lord? And if if they say yes, if they can say that and bow their knee to him rather than ask us to bow to them, then that is a sign that they're from God. I would say that the majority of the phenomenon that is called the UFO phenomenon is 
uh, is the sons of God. That's what they're called in the Bible. They're called the sons of God. And that is what Christians refer to as fallen angels. I'd say the majority is that. Um, however, I would say the angels of God are also here in this climactic moment. And this whole UFO phenomenon, it's like potatoes and carrots in a stew. Once it's ready for the stew is all ready, what it will it look like? What will it be called? It will be called the second coming. That's where the UFO right. phenomenon is headed to. So they reinvented themselves, and they've taken centuries to create the idea of universe for us, to reinvent themselves as aliens, I think because they were looking forward to that climactic battle of the second coming, and they want to give us the technology we need to put up a fight with the, with the, with the armies of heaven. I mean, look at the Roswell incident. It, it's, it's the story of a crash. And since when do UFOs crash? Uh, they have pilot error. They, was it a mechanical error? And there's lots of stories documented of these so-called crashes. In what other words, the they're gifting in, us the, the technology. This is their method of gifting us the technology. That, that is one of the ideas that was put forward by people who were hired to go and retrieve it, that this is how they gift technology. But maybe the fallen angels, they get shot down by the angels of God, and instead of saying, hey, that's what's happening to us, they're going, oh, no, no, of course we're not being shot down. It would be quite crazy. We're giving you a gift. Please, All go right. ahead. You know, <laughs> Ali, hold on. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll come back. We'll open up the phone lines and take questions and comments also from our YouTube live chat. Uh, my YouTube live chat producer, Ryan, will forward those uh, live chat questions to me as well. And by phone, 416-360-0740 on, uh, in the uh, greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740. Toll free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thinkagainproductions.com. Thinkagainproductions.com. That's the website. And, Ali, can people still screen UFOs, Angels, and Gods from the website, or do they go to YouTube? They can watch it right on the website, and uh, thinkagainproductions.com. Scroll down and sign up for our newsletter so you know what's going on, because there's events coming. Um, you're welcome to leave a donation because we, we definitely need that to continue the work. Um, and we would appreciate that. Um, I'm offering uh, workshops and series all the time. If you sign up, you'll get the email. You can also email me through the website and say I'm interested in those. Um, and uh, the, the, the YouTube channel, you can click on the documentary twice. It will take you to YouTube you can sign up for the YouTube channel. There's a series of videos that will be coming out that will outline the different topics that were uh, developed in the documentary, the gods, the chariots, the Nephilim. Um, what are these biblical concepts, and how have they unfolded? And, and it'll give, I think, more color to the documentary itself. But please go ahead and watch it and, and you know, email us any questions you have. Um, I may be doing a series in the book of Revelation. You can sign up for that. You can uh, email and say, I'm interested um, it's it's a fascinating story because it gives meaning. We now know we really are the children of Adam and Eve. We are in this incredible story, of uh, and involves these beings, good and evil. But the good guys are much more powerful, much larger. God's angels, His spirit, and God Himself. He has been. He's the big big Kahuna. He's got authority over all of these beings. Jesus, to Him, all authority has been given. He's the Redeemer, the High Priest, but He's also the King. And all authority under heaven and earth has been given to him. And he's returning to establish an incredible age, a thousand-year rule on this planet, which will be different from what we're experiencing right now. And we are going okay, to be so given a new body, this, one that lives forever. Right. These are all does, the final battle, does the final battle take place with you know, UFOs, you know, yes. firing at each other? And is yes. that what the, 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 the final battle of Armageddon is going to be fought with UFOs piloted by fallen angels and UFOs piloted by God's angels? Well, yes. I think that for us 20th century kids, we call them spaceships because that's the word we have for it. I get it. But remember, this is not really space. It's the heavens. And these are not spaceships. They are heavenly vehicles. What are they exactly? How do they operate? We don't know. But definitely, yes, it will be in that clothing. I think that's why God is revealing this information to prepare us for the way it's going to go down, which no other generation of the church could have ever imagined or fathomed. But now that we're there, 
we're starting to really see the veil being removed. It's the time of the unveiling, and that's what Revelation means, unveiling. We're ready to see what, how is this going to go down. And it involves these beings, and it involves these chariots, and, and they're already taking their last stance, and they're deceiving the world by creating a new thought uh, paradigm and saying of a thought veil and saying, look, this is what we are, and this is who these beings that are coming are. But the Bible comes and enlightens us and tells us, no, these beings have been here from the beginning, and they have been pushed back since the time of Jesus. Yet, as you mentioned, in Ephesians it says, and I'm just going to read that because I find the words are so interesting that Paul has chosen. Um, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. What is the spiritual forces of evil doing in heavenly places? Because he's using the word heavenly, Uranus and Shemaim, these words, they represent the the creation, what we would call the heavens is the universe and beyond, right? Um, and, and it can also be the sky where the birds fly. That's also called heavens in the Bible. Anything a few inches off the earth, all the way to the throne room of the of, of, of God, we're at the center of time and space. That whole is, area is called the heavens, where the air is, where the sun and moon are, where the stars are, and even beyond, the heavens of the heavens. And so these beings are the hosts of the heavens and the hosts of the earth, and we are told that one-third has rebelled against God, has gone into the camp of Satan, and like him wants to be worshipped, and that's why they set up these religions that God sends packing when he sends his own personal spirit into the nations and changes the world. And yes, they go down, they come, but they continue to fly around the earth, all the way into the 20th century, where they represent themselves as UFOs. They're no well, longer we the occasionally we'll see they some are, of these leaked videos, aliens. leaked videos from the International Space Station, and and there was one video before yes. they cut the feed. It appeared as if two UFOs were were having a dogfight to use, yes. you know, sort of World War II fighter jet uh, parlance. We had that in the documentary. It's from the Columbia shuttle. Um, I believe it was 1991. That video was scrutinized to death. What NASA does, they, they stick you know video, uh, cameras around the rockets in those days. I don't say they'll do it. Just to film things if they film something interesting. And when I was making the documentary, you could go to NASA's website and you could download footage uh, from these cameras. And there was a few that I downloaded that I think are showing in you know, the UFOs. But this was a very famous one. And it was scrutinized to death, and it was understood to be real. And you can see it on the documentary if you watch it. Um, one is shooting at the other and misses it as it speeds away. And you think, wow, this is the war in the heavens. We're really seeing it. See, if I said to you, God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham will be an eyewitness of the fire and flames that come up the next day, and you say to me, well, the only way God could do that is in his mind, he thinks of a rock that hurls through the universe and hits Sodom and Gomorrah. But what if he told these beings, these angels that come and, you know, visit Abraham, we see that. He told them, carry this mission out for me. And these angels are so refined and so sophisticated that they can harness the power of atom. And they can, you know, channel light through rubies. And they can create all kinds of sophisticated things with the raw material of God's mighty creation and his mighty principles. Because there are so much wisdom and so many principles behind the created order. And these guys know more of it than we do because they are older. And they come, and with this knowledge, they destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Would that make the story of the Bible any less heavenly? Only if God hurls stone with his brain, that's the only way this can be truly a mighty story. Well, that doesn't make sense to me, but regardless, I don't really care what makes sense to me. I follow the book and to see who is God, who are these beings, and this is the story that the book tells of these beings that fly around these chariots. I mean, the angels of God. All right, let's go to the phone. Skip is in Connecticut. Skip, welcome. Yeah, hi, Ali. Fascinating presentation. I, I want to go through three time periods quickly. Uh, Pre-flood, right. uh, the, were these women coerced 
were they enticed or did they entice the Nephilim, uh, these fallen angels? In a sense, also, uh, I usually don't see women as wicked as men, you know, uh, in terms of like a mass murderer, but now I kind of see that as possible where some of these women. Maybe they were like this in the pre-flood. I'm not talking about their rendezvous with the feeling, but in other areas where they could be as wicked as the male section of society. So that would be one area. Now, now flipping to David. Wait, can we just answer that before we go yeah. on so we can, we can deal with your questions one at a time? And I think, so um, this, you're right. I think that all three, I think some were coerced, some were enticed and some enticed, because some women saw it as a promotion. Instead of marrying a human, they could marry one of these beings, these heavenly beings. They're called in the Bible heavenly beings. They could marry them, so that's kind of, you know, getting ahead in the social order. And I think some of the women were ambitious, and they wanted that. Others were enticed, you know, they were charmed, uh, and others were coerced. They had no intention, they had no wanting, they didn't want it, but they had no choice. And that's what we see in the modern-day abduction phenomenon, that some of the abductees see themselves simply as neutral experiencers. Others see themselves as abductees. They don't want this happening to them. And yet others see themselves as chosen uh, people who have been, you know, uh, blessed and chosen to have this incredible experience. Uh, and and, and the, they're visited um, uh, by these beings. So I think the same thing happened before the flood as well. Um, so what's your next, uh, the time? Well, let me, uh, let me get to, just to uh, skip, I'm going to get you to hold on because we're going into a break. I just wanted to add to that uh, a couple of things. One, uh, for if a, when, when a woman commingled with one of these fallen angels and gave birth to Nephilim, these hybrids, that was certain death, right? Because you can't give birth to a giant. That would have been certain death, I would imagine, well, for the woman, correct? Well, we don't know what their, what their technology and science was to, ah, to, true. to Good give point. birth. Yeah. Se- secondly, in the modern-day UFO phenomenon, we have men who claim uh, that they undergo some sort of um, um, a procedure uh-huh. in which perhaps semen is taken from them. So it sounds like it's working both ways in the modern-day phenomenon. Not only are they taking women to create hybrids, but they're also taking men. I'll get you to it's address a, that. plus. One, the one today, it's designed to create these kings that will rule over us, ten of them, and these hybrids that are among us that look like us. It's not like the ancient times. So this time it's, ah. it says in the Bible, they shall mingle their seeds with the seed of men. So it uses a very specific language of seed mingling, but in the past it seems that it uses the language of sex and procreation. Interesting. Okay, we'll take a time out. Skip, hold on. We'll get to your other questions, and we'll get into some of the live chat questions as well. Ali Siadatan, Think Again Productions. Back with more in a moment. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, uh, Ali, you sort of touched on the reemergence of the Nephilim, and we'll, we'll come back to this in a moment, uh, the, the connection between the reemergence of the Nephilim and, I guess, the, the relationship between the, the modern-day hybrids, if you will, and the biblical Nephilim. But first, uh, Skip in Connecticut. Now, you've got two more questions. I, I want you to keep them real tight if you can, Skip, so we can get Ali to answer them, and then I have a, a long line of YouTube chat questions as well. So go ahead, Skip, your next question. Yeah, okay, if you look at David, uh, Psalm 144, he talks about strange children in the King James Version. And it seems like David, some people say, was fighting when he was a shepherd, a lion that was a hybrid being. And I'm wondering uh, if David was dealing with supernatural beings as well as, you know, his natural enemies like Saul, his son Absalom. Uh, Goliath was more in the supernatural realm somewhat. Uh, And if you look at uh, some of his remedies, like he's in Psalm 103, he's talking about asking for angels that excel in strength to help him. 
so, uh, and even in Psalm 144, it's talking about calling on, like, lightning to strike his enemy. Okay, let's get, let's get Allie to get into that. Okay, yes, go ahead, Allie. On a spiritual uh, level, David was the representative of God's executive branch of government. The, he was filling the shoes of what would eventually be the Messiah, the king that would administer justice among the nations. And so there was a lot of backlash from these angels against him. And so he was in constant spiritual battle from the day that he slew Goliath till the day he died. And so, yes, his prayers are obviously talking about that. The Psalms talk about that all the time, how he just needs that power from God to carry out the mission that he has been given in life. When it comes to the actual physical battles that he physically fought, uh, Goliath is an example of, it says that he was a descendant of the Nephilim. He had four brothers, that's why David took five stones. And we know from tablets that we have found in the Middle East that there were these tribes of giants that Middle Easterners would hire to tilt the balance of power in their own direction. And the Philistines had hired the Goliath family as their champions. And in those days, the champions would fight, and if one champion won, it meant that whole army was victorious. There was no need to have the bloodshed and the whole war. It was they agreed that if the champion won, somehow, you know, the hand of fate was on this side. And so they were fighting. They had hired Goliath as a champion. He was among the Philistines, but he wasn't a Philistine. And so these beings, yes, David is the, is the king. The sons of Israel are told that there are lots of these beings, the Zanzumim, the Raphaim, um, uh, in this land that they are going to inherit, and Jacob and his children are going to inherit. And when they come to take it, they have to fight these giants. That's why... Uh, they're reluctant to even go there. And then David fights them, and it's really at the time of King David that it's settled, that he finally kills the last of the giants in that land. Uh, okay, and cleans Skip, it. I, I, I hate to rush you, but Skip, i got to get to your third question quickly. Go. Cool. Yeah, okay, just the RNA vaccine, that, uh, you know, gene-altering potential. Do you see the fallen angels as in this process? Well, Great question. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that it's suspicious. You know, I can't say, here, I have this proof and this evidence. It's just so new. But I see that they're interested in genetics, and uh, that's how they're creating hybrids. We know genetics because we, too, are the children of the world of God and angels, and so we, too, can come up and play with these things. So we could use it for good. We could use it for something that we need. However perhaps these guys are trying to change our genes and influence our genes and they're kind of slipping it through uh, a vaccine that you know attaches itself to the dna code through the rna so but i can't tell you for sure here's my you know smoking gun proof but the, the idea then ali that that would cut us off this this by altering our genes it would it would cut off cut us off from the divinity that part of us that is connected to god um, who knows what the purpose might be? It might affect our thinking, our perception. I mean, it's it's the science of genetics is very complicated. We don't even understand it completely. Right. So I don't know what it would do. Okay, let's go to the YouTube. Thank you for the uh, the great question, Skip. Uh, LetterTube in live chat asks, do you have an opinion on Zachariah Sitchin and his body of work? Yes, I've read, read every book Zachariah Sitchin has written. I've spoke with him on the phone. I wanted to interview him for my documentary. I like some of the stuff that he's dug up at a time where no one was talking about these beings as being real, and I was researching it. He was one of the only guys I could read. I don't agree at all with his UFO theory of, of, of seeing these beings as ancient astronauts. I follow the biblical perspective that these beings are the fallen angels. Um, so, But I do appreciate some of the nuggets of information that he's dug out uh, from the perspective that these beings were real, that that, in a way, allowed him to highlight pieces of information that were useful to me as a researcher. But his general idea, I don't agree with, of how he sees All right. Uh, and then we have Tiali One. Do you have any thoughts on the December 21 solar flare? Will it take down the power grid? I don't know. I, I don't know. But there's lots of... Uh, one thing the age of COVID has initiated is a new phase of the apocalypse, and there's going to be more and more strange things ahead of us culminating with the God and his angels coming with their chariots. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will take one final time out, come back, and we will get around to discussing the reemergence of the Nephilim. It's different this time. Uh, obviously, the Nephilim are not giants. Um, how did that happen exactly? How are they able to change the 
the uh, the physical characteristics of these hybrids. More of my conversation with Ali Siadatan from thinkagainproductions.com. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. All right, Ali, we still have a little bit of ground to cover here. We have, and time is short, so um, let me begin, and I'll get a real tight answer for each of these if I could from you. Uh, Thinker asks, what do you, what do you think of the mark of the beast? What do you think it is, the mark of the beast? I think more and more with the rise of digital technology, the Internet of Things, and AI, I am, I'm still kind of still in the camp of it's some sort of a chip, for the lack of a better word, uh, from where we are in our terminology that will be, be, will be given because if they remove cash and the Federal Reserve puts everyone on salary and gives you money, now if you have a digital wallet and if you don't have the right combination, they can, you know, uh, turn it off. And if you don't have it, then you, can don't have, you can't buy or sell. So people, you know, right now no one can reach into your wallet quite and turn it off. But once everyone has digital currency, so I think it's, I'm still in the, in the camp of it's some sort of a piece of technology that connects us to the Internet of Things, to AI, and to um, digital currency. Well, there is this Microsoft patent 060606 that involves right. uh, cryptocurrency, some sort of, it could be wearable technology, it's not necessarily implanted subdermally. And um, uh, somehow, somehow that, it, you know, it, it uh, records your movements so that you're doing some sort of an activity and then and, and the, the cryptocurrency. And the question what's the crisis that will make him actually make the world need it, you know? Like why well, here we, we are. ever need <laughs> such a thing? Here, yes, here is the crisis. It's, a, it's here now, isn't it? Uh, and then GBGN1, do you believe the giant skeletons that have been found across the United States and elsewhere have been confiscated and have been confiscated by the Smithsonian? Are these the remnants of the Nephilim? Yeah, for sure. I, I've seen lots of footage that has disappeared um, and things that have come out in caves and massive amounts of bones, and then you don't hear about them anymore. Um, there's lots of huge amounts of evidence of the Nephilim. So the hybrids have existed throughout the ages because this umbrella picture we painted today of these beings that you know, are the overlord, the sons of God, and they're over the nations, they give laws, they appoint kings, they have children... Well, they have children. It's one of the things they do. And they have been doing it. For, you know, they have a bloodline that, that, that definitely is alive and well because we can, I can see the tribes that are mentioned uh, in ancient Greece that come from, that have lines of kings from them. I can see the whole story of Minos. I can see that the prince of Greece and the Western world, this Zeus, Jupiter, the character, the one whom the Bible calls Satan, you know, he's got his bloodlines. And then I see that throughout the ages there's peaks of these hybrid creations. And right now... We are living in a time that Jesus said would be like the days of Noah. So it's a very massive contamination, because that's how the days of Noah were. And that's what this whole hybridization today, it's the same beings, the same overlords, the same powers and principalities that you know Paul talks about, but this is what they do. And they're doing this today because they're infiltrating the human world with their hybrids, and it says in the book of uh, Daniel that they're going to mingle their seeds with the seed of men, and then it says that there'll be ten kings. It says that then there's going to be these kings that are going to rule, and it's in the time of these kings, it's in Daniel chapter 2, verse 42 and verse 43, that it's in the time of these kings that God will establish a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And so we're headed towards that. This is the final um, you know, episode, the final scene of this story that goes to the Garden of Eden that involves these beings, their chariots, their, their world paradigms, their offsprings, and God and his angels, which are so much more powerful, and his spirit. I mean, think about this. God is present in our lives every minute of every day through his spirit, and we are guarded by his angels, and we are informed by his word and by his spirit directly. So it's, you know, it's, it's incredible how God has been pushing these things back and now he's going to completely uproot them from the ground, from the earth, and usher in a new age. It's very important for people to take this seriously. These beings are very real, and the story of the Bible is very real, and Jesus is the King and the Redeemer, and he's very real as well. Well, let me ask you about the hybrids and the, or the Nephilim yes. uh, in, in days of, uh, of the Bible. 
they, the Nephilim in, in the Bible were giants. How come we're not seeing giants inhabiting the earth now? Wouldn't these hybrids produced through these alien abductions also be giants? Yes, we asked that question in the documentary, and we answered that there is a different agenda afoot. This time it's about integration, um, it's stealth, until the time where they're going to show themselves more, you know, uh, in, in a more obvious way. But it's about stealth this time. They don't want to be uh, standing out as things that look very different. In the ancient world, the sons of the gods, and that's why, you know, when Pontius Pilate is told, this is the son of God, he's like, what? Because even in the Roman thinking, he's familiar with these things. That was something that was venerated by some. Today, we would think this is weird. We would like to pick up our guns and, and, and frying pans and hit them over the head. So it's more like they're infiltrating the human society in a clandestine operation until the time, because this is a mission, has a middle, a beginning, and an end, until the time when the signal is given and they are to play whatever role is they're going to play. There's going to be some in the leadership, it seems, some among the population, and perhaps they're even influencing us even as we speak, with all the massive social changes that are kind of overthrowing the Judeo-Christian heritage of the West before our eyes. So it's a different purpose this time around, so it's a lot more clandestine. And that's why the Bible says they shall mingle their seed with the seed of man, which is what you described, they're removing semen from men, impregnating women, mixing the semen with their own DNA, impregnating women, and so it's a very different laboratory scientific way of creating these hybrids, different from what we have seen in the past. Are, are hybrids, and who knows, they could be our neighbors, uh, they could be colleagues at work, if, you know, that Roper poll that came out in the 90s yeah. suggested the number of people that, that have been abducted, and uh, if, if the hybrids are among us, are they capable of salvation, or are they no. damned, essentially? They're an aberration that is never to exist. In the entire scriptural record, they always are destroyed. Uh, the Abraham fights them. That's the first instance of a war against them. Um, the sons of Israel, when they come into the land, they kill them. They're, they're, they're told by God to kill every single one of them. They are an aberration that should go, uh, Goliath is killed. They're an aberration. Because, you know, when you look at the story of David and Goliath, if David is a type of the Messiah, then Goliath is, is, is the type of the seed of the serpent who is called the Antichrist. So they lose. They're an aberration that's never to exist. The sons of God, their overlords, their fathers, they're arrested. Some have been jailed uh, before the flood, and four will be freed we are told, and the time of the end, they have a purpose to play. They have a different, you know, standing, in, because they were created by God uh, for God's purposes. But they chose to do something that was never meant to exist. And these things are destroyed by God in the days before the flood and in the days after the flood. And even in our age, that is the end that awaits them. They, they're, not part, they're not meant to be part of the story. Okay, so in the in the end times, Jesus tells us it will be like it was in the days of Noah. And in the days of Noah, you had, of course, this corruption of, and you had hybrids, and God flooded the earth to basically clean the uh, the gene pool. So, but you you suggest not only will it be like the days of Noah in the end times, it will also be like the days of Hanukkah, and we are heading into the season of Hanukkah. What do you mean by that? It'll be um, like the days of Hanukkah. Well. Just, just one thing, the parable that describes the best the fate of the Nephilim is the wheat and tares, because God planted his seed in the garden, the devil planted his seed in the garden, that's the origin of the wheat and tares, but the tares are ripped out and destroyed and burnt, and the wheats are gathered and put in the barns of God. And so the tares represent the Nephilim through the ages, they look like the wheat, but they're not, and they come from the devil planting his seed in the garden. And the tares, that's who the tares are, sorry, and the wheat are the, the ones that God planted in the garden. And it seems that this has been going on from the beginning, and so we're so commingled together that it says that if the angels say, should we tear the tares out? And God says, no, if you do, you will be tearing my wheat out. Imagine if one of your ancestors had the genes that made him part of the other kingdom, but in him you existed, which were part of the kingdom of God. So, but there is a time God has put aside of judgment where he will take the tares and remove them and put the wheat in his barn, and the tares represent these hybrids and their bloodlines through the ages. 
and in all their forms, and that we represent us. So us, the angels, these beings, the fallen angels, and God, we're having a very intimate story here. To come to the question that you asked about, um, what was your question? Hanukkah. Well, Hanukkah. you say it, so, yeah, it, yeah, yeah when we only have a minute here, so we've got to be brief. Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation in Jerusalem, then flee. And he says the abomination of desolation mentioned by Daniel the prophet, and that was understood to be something that was completed um, under Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, it's something people can you know read about. There's a lot of writings and, and, and videos about that on YouTube. But Jesus resurrects that event and says, no, this was just a kind of a, a, a play, a small mock play. The real event is in the future. And the days of Antiochus Epiphanes were the days of Hanukkah, because the Hellenistic um, world had Hellenized the priests of Israel, and even though they existed and they knew God and they knew of God and they knew his instructions, yet the priesthood of Israel had fallen asleep in darkness to the point where this guy was able to come and he said, let's sacrifice to Zeus and put his idol in the Holy of Holies and sacrifice a pig on, you know, on the, uh, the mercy seat. And then this group of, of priests, just a small group of priests, one family. We've got to wrap it up here quickly, Ali. And so what's happening is we, again, are living in a time where darkness is falling over the world. The Antichrist is not coming to a world that doesn't know of God or doesn't know God, but it's coming to a world that's forgotten about God, like the days of Hanukkah. But God will reinvigorate his light and send his son and his armies and his spirit. And, he, and, the, and the candles of Hanukkah represent the light of God. It will be okay. met with a great enlightenment that is on its way in the form of God returning to the earth. So we can really uh, feel secure. All right. Think again productions. Think again productions.com. Ali, we crammed a lot in there. Well done. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Richard, for having me. Bye bye. All right. Think again productions.com. All right. My thanks to Ryan White, Carlos Kajina. Back next week. So long for now.